raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Storm clouds are raging all around my door. I think to myself I might not take it anymore. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Ladies and gentlemen, to another exciting edition of the show. As always, I'm excited to be here, and what a spectacularly big week in news with lots of sound to delve into, including updates on the ongoing conflict with Israel and Hamas. Uh, A. Blinken, our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, gives us an update on the number of captives uh, still held by Hamas, as well as John Kirby. You know, there's a lot that we don't know as well. And Joe Biden made an appearance in Israel, capping off his visit with a surprise announcement. We'll get into that. Plus, reactions from the squad and the question, should we accept Gaza refugees due to the conflict? All of that you'll hear on this edition of Saturday Night on The Circle. Guest producer Kevin is in the studio helping producer Gary run the ship. We appreciate your work, producer Kevin. And I got a bone to pick with you. I note after, what is it, going on two weeks now, this stupid camera, the what we have dubbed the Rob Kendall Memorial Camera is still non-functioning. Now, what has Kendall done to abscond with the equipment or smash the camera or piss off Nick Cottingen? What is what is what is up? Because uh, Nick said, I was in the studio doing the Kendall and Casey show, filling in for Rob, who was uh, vacationing. Um, and Nick at the time said he was getting this fixed. What happened in between then and now, Kevin? I have no idea. We're in the same boat. We're all struggling with this. Uh, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Uh, um, but I'm confident that someone is working on it. We, uh, who though? We have a whole engineering department, and it's been going on two weeks. I just I don't understand. Well, whatever. <laughs> Hopefully, it will be fixed relatively soon. And in the meantime, you can still join us on the YouTube stream. Absent the camera, still feel free to hop in the comments. We always appreciate your feedback while the show is going on live. All right, let's delve into the news. Joe Biden making a trip to Israel and capping off his visit. Of course, what better way to finish than by giving Hamas a hundred million dollars? Today, I'm also announcing one hundred million dollars in new U.S. funding for humanitarian assistance in both Gaza and the West Bank. Money, please. Oh, no, no, there's no money. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. that's fine. Um, I'll just destroy this office. Ah! Money, please! Money, please! Ben, give her some money. It's easier. A hundred million for Hamas. They just blew up a hospital, according to information from our own uh, military, from our own intelligence agency. And you give them a hundred million dollars. Like, what a way to reward bad behavior. Of course, the Biden administration is well familiar with this tactic, having rewarded Iran with six billion dollars of spending money and also so-called humanitarian aid that will only be spent strictly uh, for those humanitarian purposes, naturally freeing up resources for Hamas and other uh, uh, ne'er-do-wells in the region to kill Jews. This is insane. And the administration recognizes there's a serious risk to Hamas 
Hamas using utilizing uh, the hundred million dollars to uh, you know subsequently attack Israel again, as acknowledged by uh, Matt Miller, spokesman for uh, the White House. I think the the concern the Israeli government has, and they've said this publicly, and they certainly said it privately to us, is that any assistance that goes in will be diverted once it's inside Gaza. That there is not a there is not an Israeli military force in Gaza. There's not a UN peacekeeping force in Gaza. The people with guns inside Gaza are Hamas, and so Hamas may try to divert this assistance and keep it from getting to the civilians who, who it is intended for. We think that's a legitimate concern. Uh, we've made clear that this aid needs to go to innocent civilians and not Hamas. We're going to be watching very carefully uh, how it's delivered um, because we want to be sensitive to those concerns, which we share. <laughs> so bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for them. <laughs> yes, they're concerned about them diverting the $100 million that's meant for civilian aids for military purposes because these are the same people who rip water pipes out of the ground and use them as makeshift rocket launchers, the same rocket launchers which misfire and often cause casualties on their side. This is absolutely insane. And you have to ask, at what point is the administration in complicit uh, with is is complicit with the violence enacted against Israel? Because they know that's the damnedest thing about it. They they know and understand by funding these entities, they are endangering the lives of the Jewish people. Joe Biden admitting that Iran supports Hamas by as did John Kirby, as did several other administration spokespeople. They are admitting by providing them with funding, they are endangering the lives of Israelis overseas, but they don't care. The risk of conflict and chaos could spread in other parts of the world, in the Indo-Pacific, in the Middle East, especially in the Middle East. Iran is, is supporting Russia in Ukraine, and it's supporting Hamas and other terrorist groups in the region. He said it! He said it! There it is! There it is! In no uncertain terms, President Biden said Iran is supporting Hamas and he just gave them $6 billion. Even if you assume that all $6 billion is only going to be re- released to approved American vendors, that still doesn't change the fact it frees up funds for other purposes, primarily shooting Jews. That's what's going on here. Now, fortunately, we we have a small breath of uh, uh, fresh air, some silver lining to an otherwise terrible situation is two American hostages, uh, Judith Renan, 59, her daughter, Natalie Renan, 7, released by Hamas to the care of the Red Cross in Israel and uh, 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 the Israeli Defense Force. Um, This is obviously good news for them, uh, good news for uh, uh, their family members, but there's a more sinister motivation to why Hamas would choose to do this. Of course, A. Blinken, Anthony Blinken, uh, Secretary of State, giving us an update on the amount of Americans still held in captivity. A. Blinken, did you say A. Blinken? No, I say Abe Lincoln. I said, hey, Blinken, hold the reins, man. But there are still 10 additional Americans who remain unaccounted for uh, in this conflict. We know that some of them are being held hostage by Hamas, along with an estimated 200 other hostages uh, held in Gaza. Okay, so excellent that two Americans have been released, 10 still held in captivity, which is incredibly tragic, but tragic. But why is Hamas doing this? Answer, they're just buying for time. They are delaying the Israeli Defense Force uh, from a, a, a ground assault by releasing these hostages. So, it, it, you know, it is ultimately a selfish tactic to prolong their conflict against Israel. They have no intentions of, uh, do you know, doing humanitarian uh, uh, relief 
<laughs> showing humanitarian relief to these hostages, for, for God's sakes. They murdered over 1,300 civilians. So, yes, these are, are bad actors, um, and, and this is not an act to be lauded, although I'm, you know, again, providing great relief for these family, uh, uh, th th these two hostages and their family members, but, um, you know, ultimately they're just buying for time. And we don't know how many hostages that they still have, and the number could go up, as acknowledged earlier in the week by John Kirby, that, you know, there are still many unknowns and the amount of number of hostages can increase. Well, we unfortunately don't have a whole lot of more information uh, this morning, Mika, about where they are, what kind of groups they might be and whether they're being moved around. We don't even know the full total hostage pool, certainly for Americans. We think a small number uh, of Americans are in that group, but it could rise. Just shows you how the administration was caught completely unawares by this and is still in many ways uninformed despite the enormous intelligent assets that they have at their disposal. And just to clarify, like some of the logistics about the region we're talking about, I thought I'd do a little bit of investigation on how big the Gaza Strip actually is. It's incredibly small. It is incredibly, incredibly tiny. Of course, there are going to be, uh, 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 there's going to be crossfire. There's going to be uh, uh, unintended casualties because we're dealing with a region less than half the square mileage of the city of Indianapolis. The Gaza Strip's 25 miles long by about three and a half to seven and a half miles wide, a total area of 141 square miles, and they squeeze over two million people in that boundary compared to Indianapolis, which has uh, uh, square miles of 368 square mileage and a population of only 880,000. So you're dealing with an incredibly small area, and when you are misfiring rockets, they have the tendency to hit hospitals on your own side. Like that is a nat nat natural consequence of uh, uh, the, the behavior um, and these unprovoked attacks against Israel. Um, it, it's absolutely stunning. And unfortunately, the administration continuously empowers the bad actors in the region who support Hamas and are enacting this violence. So I don't have any confidence in the Biden administration to resolve the problem. If anything, they're going to exacerbate, exacerbate it which is uh, what make will make the uh, sound bites we're going to play later in the show even more cringeworthy and hilarious. Uh, don't miss a moment of Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC. All the moon men want things their way. But You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle on 93 WIBC. Goodbye. Welcome back, man. Indiana to another edition of Saturday Night on the Circle, where this evening we've been discussing the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas, uh, only exacerbated by an incompetent Biden administration who's doing everything to add gasoline to the fire, it seems, including being supported by a base that is blatantly anti-Semitic, and we'll provide some examples later in the show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Kevin, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function joined by producer Gary we appreciate your hard work as usual gentlemen uh, this segment we're going to discuss the possibility of bringing in more than a million refugees from the Gaza Strip a frightening number that you may be perplexed by considering that in the last segment we told you the entire population of the Gaza Strip is two million so you're saying half the population of a region half the size of Indianapolis is going to be moving to the United States and somehow we're 
they're responsible for this? Yes, says representatives like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but also a surprise that I think you'll you'll be interested in after we get to her clip. Should Arab countries be taking on the lion's share of the burden to absorb what could be over a million, if not more, refugees from Gaza? I think there's something to be said about the region's partners being able to support and step up Palestinians. However, that does not abdicate the United States from our historic role that we've played in the world of accepting refugees and allowing people to restart their lives here. It is crazy. We say to give a woman woman power is like to give a gun to a monkey. (laughs) We have stopped doing that ever since the 1999 Astana Zoo massacre. So I'm really struggling to follow the logic of how Hamas attacking more than 1,300 innocent Israeli civilians equates to the United States being on the hook of absorbing a million and possibly more refugees from a country with a pop or from a region with a population of 2 million. Like, I'm really struggling to understand how attacking innocent civilians means that the United States is responsible for importing more than 60% of the country. This completely lacks sense, and I expect nonsense like that out of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, but what I don't expect it from is the Republican Party, and here you have a spar between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis over the state of these refugees, and Nikki Haley taking the side that we need to accept these people in, and Ron DeSantis rightfully pointing out that not only do these people, or are these people actively involved in conflict with Israel, but they don't share our our values and are openly anti-Semitic. So no, we shouldn't necessarily be importing those values to our country, a, a topic that was discussed, as producer Kev might remember, between Casey and I on a Tuesday's edition of Kendall and Casey, where I had these remarks about the situation. It makes me question the leadership of Nikki Haley that her first intuitive deci- you know, instinct is to import more refugees. Mm-hmm. When we have a refugee, like we are full up right now, regardless of how much these people may or may not deserve to have shelter. We currently are at max capacity. We cannot further import more refugees until we stem the tide of our current crisis. And it's not America's responsibility to solve the world's woes, Nikki. That's taxpayer dollars, Nikki. I'm very sorry for the innocent people who have been victimized by the actions of Hamas, Nikki, but it doesn't mean that I, my taxpayer dollars need to go solve their problem. Need to take what care about, of them. What about Jordan? What about Egypt? What about Israel? What about all the other middle countries? Middle Eastern countries. What about friggin' Iran that we just gave $16 billion plus their $40 billion in oil? I'm sure they could take a few refugees and, 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 Casey, they might be more culturally simpatico, you know what I mean? If they went to, like, Iran, they might feel more at home than transplanting overseas to the United States with a vastly different system, a vastly different culture, with vastly different values, and all of a sudden they're forced to respect Jews. Oh, no! And vastly Ah! different laws that they'll have to abide by Mm -hmm. as well. And again, I circle back to the idea that regardless of how you feel about how deserving these refugees are of shelter within the United States, we're full up. We're experiencing a a refugee crisis of our own. Cities like Chicago, New York, already overwhelmed. Hospitals, 
hotels, police stations at capacity or overflowing with people on the sidewalks. There is no more room for a million or more refugees from a country that, uh, with a population of two million people. Sorry. In addition to that, the United States is over $32 trillion in debt. We have problems of our own to take care of. And although we should support Israel going in their conflict against Hamas, that does not mean that we're responsible for an influx of mig- migrants from the region who then want to transplant themselves halfway across the globe to our country. No, sorry. There are closer countries uh, that you could rely on. There are people with whom you uh, share more uh, cultural identity that you should be seeking instead of the United States. Um, now, here is Kamala Harris, who, of course, is cartoonish in her own right, but making the ridiculous claim that somehow in this situation, President Biden is uniquely qualified to bring peace to the region. <laughs> I laugh, and so will you when you hear this ridiculous claim. I think our President Joe Biden is uniquely qualified and skilled to do the work that must be done by American leadership to stand um, with our friend Israel and to speak to the importance of the protection of civilians and to speak about the importance of recognizing that Israelis and Palestinians all deserve um, to to live in a safe environment and to be able to exercise self-determination. anything, I think it is more logical to point to Biden's relative weakness as a destabilizing influence in the region. Look, it's it shocked the hell out of me when uh, 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 Donald Trump former president sent his uh, net or uh, uh, what was it son-in-law Jared Kushner um, overseas to negotiate Middle Eastern peace deals and then he comes back with like three including Jordan and the United Arab Emirates like that was a surprise but Donald Trump had a stabilizing influence on the region including his partnership with Saudi businessmen um, who then had a moderating influence on their compatriots in in the Middle East like the, we saw a relative time of peace under Donald Trump compared to Joe Biden, whose projected weakness has destabilized regions like Afghanistan, uh, his weakness inviting the Taliban to immediately retake power, um, or when he openly gave away the game to Russia and indicated there would be no military response should a, quote, minor incursion into Ukraine occur. So Joe Biden is not, quote, uniquely qualified to bring peace to the region. If anything, he is uniquely disqualified from accomplishing anything productive, especially when he goes on to fund Israel's enemies, as we talked about in the first segment. Now, here is Joe Biden in his interview with Scott Pelley claiming that he thinks, should he run again, not only will he bring peace to the Middle East, he's going to unite Israel and uh, uh, Europe and Asia and the whole kit and caboodle. Are you sure that you want to run again? You sure about that? You sure about that? You sure about that? Yes, because I'm sure. Look, when I ran, I said the world's at an inflection point. The world's changing, but we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed 
in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations. I think we can do that. Imagine what happens if we, in fact, unite all of Europe and Putin is finally put down where he cannot cause the kind of trouble he's been causing. What I'm trying to imagine is a post-Biden presidency, so hopefully we can pick up the pieces and start fixing the shambling country that he has reduced us to in four short years. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. More content to come, including a scathing review of Kamala Harris' latest crutch. You'll hear it all in ne- the next segment uh, for Hat Tricks with Hatcher. One, two, listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. You use a sturdy pole. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where this week we'll show you Kamala Harris' baffling love affair with a diagram method. Scott Pelley points out sleepy Joe Biden's exhausted and disheveled appearance on the news, and the HHS secretary offers a perplexing word salad worthy of object mockery. Don't miss a moment of this week's collection on Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, 93 WIBC, where producer Kevin beep, 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 is pushing the buttons with producer Gary and running the show, helping everything be smooth. We appreciate your hard work, as always. Now, last segment, you heard the ridiculous claim by Kamala Harris that Joe Biden is somehow uniquely qualified to handle the situation in the Middle East, something that we know is laughable. If anything, his influence has an incredibly destabilized stabilizing effect on the region and geopolitics abroad. Here you'll hear Janet Yellen stick to her guns that Biden is very vibrant and involved. Yes, that's what you would call his appearance anytime he shambles in front of the camera. Vibrant. I know you're not backing uh, a woman to be president in the next election because I know you'll be backing President Biden uh, loud and loud and clear. Does he still have the energy for another five years Abs- in the job? Absolutely. He's... Ah. Um, very involved, very um, vibrant, um, is doing an excellent job. Um, And I think when we face the kinds of troubles that we have in the Middle East, you can see the benefit of um, deep experience and understanding of global issues. Have you lost your reptilian ass mind? <laughs> Deep understanding and global issues, she says. Look, they're going to have enough trouble pumping him full of enough meth and formaldehyde to get a shambling corpse across the finish line for re-election, let alone surviving the next five years, Janet Yellen. Oh, he's very vibrant and involved, she says. Absolutely laughable, especially when you have Scott Pelley pointing out during his appearance on the new Sleepy Joe, very tired, very exhausted. As we spoke to the president, his secretary Secretary of State was in Israel. His defense secretary was at a NATO meeting on Ukraine. America's oldest president seemed tired from directing all of this. 
Yes, he always seems tired whenever he's making a speech, whenever he's speaking with the press, whenever he's trying to trying in vain oftentimes to read fluently from a teleprompter. He sounds aged. He sounds incoherent. He sounds confused. And he doesn't sound like a vibrant executive in charge of his faculties and the country at large. Absolutely absurd. Uh, Kamala Harris, of course, she claims to be a geek and is circling back to one of her old favorite diagrams, the Venn diagram, which she apparently just has a love affair with. So here's one thing I'm going to share about myself. I'm kind of a geek. (laughs) So to that extent, one of the things I love are Venn diagrams. I love Venn Venn diagrams. So the three, you could pull out a Venn diagram to help you with anything that looks like it's in conflict, right? So a Venn diagram. Sad. Very sad. Sad. This isn't the first time she has mentioned Venn diagrams. In fact, it's kind of a crutch. It's kind of a, a, a tick almost. It, whenever she goes out, she practically brings up Venn diagrams every other day. Here is but a small montage of mentions of uh, Venn diagrams from Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris apparently loves a Venn diagram. And gosh, she loves telling us about it. Remember Venn diagrams, those three circles, right? And then let's just see where they overlap. You will not be surprised because I have constructed a Venn diagram on this. Remember those three circles, how they overlap? I love Venn diagrams, so I just do. Whenever you're dealing with conflict, pull out a Venn diagram, right? And so, you know, the three circles. And so I, so I, I asked my team, right? They're I'm fantastic. He sees the Venn diagram of it all. He sees that there are those circles and maybe people seem that they're a little different. They live in different parts of the country. They may be different age or different race. But that area in the middle, that overlap. But I asked my team to do a Venn diagram of where these attacks are happening. So voting rights, women's reproductive rights, LGBTQ rights. And of course, there was a huge intersection. You know, I asked my team to do a Venn diagram for me of where we are seeing attacks and who are the attacks against and the similarity. And when you look at a diagram of the, uh, just a Venn diagram. I'm gonna kill myself. I'm going to kill myself and it's your fault. Obviously not the sharpest knife in the drawer. This woman is a a walking example of diversity hire. She's the definition of diversity hire, not somebody chosen for her qualifications or her intellect, but literally her gender and color of her skin. It's it's obscene, and she is a, a clown show on a daily basis. This is the vice president of the United States who is incredibly unpopular, who has enormous unfavorability rating, and who is a deeply silly person who doesn't deserve the office she's ascended to is Kamala Harris and her Venn diagrams. Um, Also, speaking of administration officials that do not deserve the office they've ascended to, here's Xavier uh, Becerra, Health and Human Services Secretary, offering up a very baffling word salad of nonsense in regards to climate change and health equity. If you don't understand what he's talking about, neither does he, rest assured. Pick one innovation for me that you think is most promising in managing, again, this this problem of 
health equity and climate injustice. What? Well, the fact that we are uh, treating climate change is something that requires us to look at health equity because uh, there are, as I said, communities who today are, are suffering the dire consequences of uh, climate change. They can't afford to just turn on the switch to the air conditioner. Uh, they can't afford to take uh, that shade break. Oh, come uh, on! The way some of us could. They can't afford to even stay home to get a paycheck. Shite. Oh, yes. That's shite. We have to address health equity and climate change because some people can't afford to turn the air conditioning on or apparently find a shade tree. They can't afford to find a shade tree. What is he talking about? He's not talking about anything substantial. He's just spouting nonsense. This is the health and human secretary offering up a perplexing word salad of, you know, abject ridiculousness. He's not he's not talking about anything substantive, but these are the administration officials that Biden has peppered across a litany of the bureaucracy. And that's why you see the incredible incompetency in government. That's why you see uh, faster than ever, it seems, that the country is degrading at an alarming rate because you have wildly incompetent individuals that you wouldn't trust to run a Wendy's who are now in charge of multi-million dollar bureaus dictating how which, which uh, uh, rules get enforced and how agency dollars are spent, including on ridiculous initiatives like health equity and climate change. I, again, I'm not sure what the connection is there, and neither is he when he's trying to uh, make it seem like ordinary Americans can't afford to find a shade tree. Yes, climate change has eliminated shade trees across the fruited plain. Ugh, it's absurd. Unfortunately, we got to leave it there. Stay tuned for more on 93 WIBC. Coming up next, we'll talk about uh, something that I'd meant to get to um, last week, but we didn't have enough time. Uh, the ongoing uh, shambling relationship between Jada and Will Smith. It seems that uh, young Master Will uh, has completely let himself be emasculated, and there's been further developments on the story since even last week. We'll tell you all about it in the next segment, so stay tuned. But it's too late to say you're sorry How would I know? Why should I care? Please don't bother trying to find her She's not there You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle On 93 WIPC Welcome back to 93 WIBC. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, producer Kevin and uh, producer Gary, running the ship, helping the show function, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make everything sound right. This segment, I wanted to talk about the uh, degenerating relationship or non-relationship, I guess you'd call it, between Jada and Will Smith, if anything, because I... I I'm, I'm I'm so torn because on the one hand, I feel pity for this poor man who's been completely emasculated by this hag on another on another level. He's brought it on himself wholly, um, especially after her re recent ridiculousness. I don't think you can blame anyone besides Will for inviting this to have happened. Um, of course, Jada. 
uh, more than a week ago now making an appearance on, I believe it was the Today Show, where she talked about how apparently they've been separated since 2016. When we met up with Jada in her hometown of Baltimore to talk about her candid new memoir, Worthy, she opened up about an issue that has been kept secret until now. There are so many surprising things in the book, but the thing that surprised me the most, that I actually had to reread it because I said, is this true? Right. Was that in 2016, you and Will decided that you were going to live completely separate lives. It was not a divorce on paper, but it was a divorce. divorce. So from the year 2016, which is seven years ago now, (laughs) y'all have been apart. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my. Okay, so if I'm trying to understand this correctly, even though they've been representing themselves as being in a relationship for the last six years now, they've apparently been separated? This doesn't make any sense. Going back to 2019, Jada Smith was talking about how, you know, they'd been seeking seeing a relationship counselor and they'd healed the hurt between them. Just last year, Will Smith, of course, Famously smacking uh, Chris Rock, uh, you know, get my wife's name out your MFing mouth, uh, you, you know, and screaming at the Oscars, causing a scene, all in the name of Jada, who said that sh- that slap showed her more than anything that she loved her husband, Will, and now throwing him under the bus very publicly in this memoir in which she's once again resting away the limelight because that's all this talentless hack can do. She doesn't have any legitimate you know a, a talent what you know what was one of her most recent productions cleopatra universally pammed bombing a cumulative rating of 1.2 uh, across the internet because it was it was so bombed and so awful the entire the country of egypt sued the production that she was a part of because of how insulting it was to the history so jada smith doesn't have any talent she's not gotten any box office draw all she's got is the gossip and rumor mill and churning up drama in order to get attention on herself. And I I feel sorry for Will, but on the other hand, he's inviting this situation on himself by putting up with it and continuing to stand by her. Just on Wednesday night, they were in her hometown of Baltimore where they were shoulder to shoulder. He was hugging her and he said, I'm I'm going to show up for her and support her for the rest of my life. Why would you do that when this woman is so publicly emasculating you again ultimately he's the one to blame and this is a pattern of behavior from will that's going back several years the same year 2019 when she's saying you know promoting this uh, relationship counselor and how they've healed the hurt she's also unconsensually filming him something which made its way to the internet in a very uncomfortable uh, 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 peek into how their lives function or lack thereof more of a dysfunction here she is uh, non-consensually filming will again i guess lying at that point that the hurt had been healed and their relationship was on the mend you know sarah perel is coming to the table she's gonna be at the red table would you say she has been instrumental in you and i redefining our relationship i would say don't just start filming me without asking me oh my goodness if you could film me come help us again please I'm still dealing with foolishness. Don't. No, nah, no, nah, she, yeah, because she don't just. 
Would you say that she helped us heal the hurts that we caused between one another? My social media presence is my bread and butter, okay? So you can't just use me for social media and not, you know, don't just start rolling. I'm standing in my house. Don't just start rolling. Please watch a stare at the red table because she's helped us a lot. Can't you tell? (laughs) I'd buy that for a dollar. (laughs) Helped us a lot. What a crock. And again, you can you can only sit back and say that Will Smith has invited this on himself because he's putting up with it. You know, I mean, you can drive away from the paparazzi, but you can't drive away from your witch of a wife who is essentially cornering you in your own house, shoving a camera in your face. He's got two nitwit children, uh, Jada and Willow Smith, who can't often they often can't decide what gender they are. They have very little talent. And this man has created it's creating your bed and now he has to lie in it um and and again i'm torn on this idea whether you should feel sorry for him or just acknowledge that this is a situation that he's created either way it's a model for how no man should live kevin take this to heart you should not put up with this level of abuse from your woman no man deserves this kind of treatment oh never right (laughs) take back your masculinity i i I mean what what's your what's your feeling on this do you feel sorry for will or do you think he deserves it because you know again he's put up with it for so long so at what point do you take responsibility for your own plight yeah i think he's you know he got himself in this mess so yeah. i don't really feel bad yeah and the juice cannot be worth the squeeze like i'm sorry but just looking at this hag it, it can't possibly all be worth it in those long overnight hours like no 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 you know yeah. and again when you are will freaking smith you have blockbuster power that you know spans multiple decades you have brought billions of dollars to the box office i think you can afford better as well yeah i think so <laughs> like will is in a position of negotiating strength use it my friend <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to the show Saturday night on The Circle. We got a lot more coming up in the next hour, including covering the ridiculous situation um, for House Speaker. Now going back to a night with WIBC. It's been three weeks since Kevin McCarthy was ousted, and the longer this goes on, the less optimism I have for any resolution that is meaningful for conservatives, if anything, especially with Jim Jordan now stepping down and taking his name out of the race i have very little hope for uh how the race for speaker is going to turn out however we will tell you who is now considering the role and a few names that have cropped up in the republican house we'll cover all that coming up next on saturday night on the circle Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIPC. At the end of the day. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to 93 WIBC. Another exciting edition dream, of Saturday Night on the, the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, the bespectacled curmudgeon, the square peg in this round world. Thanks for joining me on yet another Saturday evening. This time we're diving into the ridiculousness uh, in the House Republican Caucus right now as they are seemingly unable to to pick a House Speaker, Jim Jordan being ousted after three 
rounds of voting, um, despite being the fact, despite the fact that he is far and away the most popular contender for Speaker of the House when it comes to conservative members of the party, when it comes to actually representing where the base is, Jim Jordan would be a pretty good pick. But the establishment Republicans standing in the way of that selection. In fact, with every vote, more Republicans moving away from Jim Jordan um, as they are apparently content to leave the House adrift without a leader at the helm. And on the one hand, ideologically, I'm kind of excited by the possibility that uh, nothing in Congress is getting done. On the other hand, this makes Republicans look incredibly incompetent, especially Matt Gates, who once again seems to have had absolutely no plan at all to move forward. This is the second time he's done this, uh, hanging up uh, you know, the Kevin McCarthy nomination because he wanted Jim Jordan to have the nod, even though Jim Jordan didn't want the seat at the time, and now pushing Jim Jordan forward, but being ultimately stymied by the establishment and unable to secure his victory. You need to have a plan going into these things or else it makes you look incredibly incompetent. Dan Crenshaw rightfully calling out other members within the party um, as, as exuding this false nobility for making this stand when they're not accomplishing anything. And if anything, they are holding up the uh, work of the people, which, like it or not, includes having a House speaker to move legislation through the Congress. I've said, I've said this a week and a half ago, that if Jim Jordan's allies went down this path, he wouldn't become speaker. They would entrench opposition. That's exactly what's happened. So they're not moving. That, that's, that's the facts as they are right now. I'm going to vote for Jim Jordan on this third round because I'm a stickler for process. He won the majority. I'm going to vote for him as long as he's running. But the facts aren't changing. People should understand the facts aren't changing. Trying to push us into the weekend and, and force votes and this sort of this kind of fake nobility of getting the job done that that's not going to work. It's it's going to backfire. I want people to understand too. Sitting around a room up here arguing about who's the most popular that's not working for the American people. I I don't like it when people come on Fox and and say that's we got to get the work done. That's not work. I want to remind my fellow legislators that work up here is your committee work. It's legislating. It's writing bills. And so what you need is somebody in the chair who can bring bills to the floor. That's the actual work for the American people. Too many have forgotten that. And as much as you can criticize the conservative members of uh, Congress for throwing the House speakership into chaos, you definitely can point the finger at establishment Republicans from holding up the process and preventing the nomination and confirmation of far and away the most popular representative among conservative members being Jim Jordan. Like if it if it's radical and extreme for conservatives to uh, remove the speaker for not fulfill, fulfilling his promises to the people, then it is equally extreme for these establishment types to prevent the rule of order from continuing and holding up the nomination for speaker. In effect, holding hands and joining with Hakeem Jeffries, known election denier. At every step of the way, Republicans have rejected bipartisanship and embraced extremism. Jim Jordan is a clear and present danger to Ah. our democracy. Establishment, establishment, you always know what's best. You suck! Land the room!
rules. So you have these establishment Republicans who essentially agree with Hakeem Jeffries that Jim Jordan is far too extreme to represent the party or even give a chance. And so they're willing to keep the Congress in chaos uh, adrift without a, a captain at the helm um, because they don't like the nomination from conservative members. They don't like who their base actually supports, which should tell you a thing or two about the state of the Republican Party and the incredibly disingenuous nature of representation. Because I'm sure if you went back to their constituency, many of the people who voted for those Republicans in office would tell them that Jim Jordan has their vote. But they don't give a damn about you. They don't give a damn about the people. They give a damn about their power and holding on to it and making sure that the establishment wheels are greased and that their their grasp on uh, the bureaucracy is not threatened, which it would be if you had an actual conservative in the leadership cutting government spending and limiting the uh, the power, reach and influence of Congress over the people. That's not in the Republican cards. It used to be that was the values they espoused during the, the grand old Tea Party days of now more than a decade ago in 2010, when the Republican Party, you know, ascended um, in the modern sense during the Obama administration uh, to overturn it and then immediately abandoned the values that they ran on, which has become a sad pattern among the Republican Party. They do not stand for what they claim to represent the low taxes, uh, individual responsibility and limited government. It doesn't exist among establishment Republicans in Congress. They would rather continue to have a lack of leadership and endanger the very issues that they claim to care about, like uh, supporting Israel or having, you know, uh, having a voice in geopolitical affairs or making sure that the wheels of government continue to function with spending packages like they do not care if they do not have their guy in charge. And so they're willing to throw the whole process, uh, 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 just throw it into chaos as a result. Um, so the, the, those are the establishment Republicans who are preventing the rule of order from resuming. And I'm sure they'll get their way. Um, with each passing day, I have less confidence in the ultimate positive uh, resolution for the battle of House Speaker. Uh, now, we have a couple of names which have come up uh, in the meantime, including o Oklahoma's Kevin Hearn, Georgia's Austin Scott, Florida's Byron Donalds, and Louisiana's uh, Mike Johnson, as well as Michigan's Jack Bergman, and Minnesota's Tom Emmer. He's a currently the majority whip and number three Republican in the chamber who has McCarthy's backing. If anything, that should tell you uh, he would probably be a poor nominee for House leadership. But that's where we're at. Uh, most of these losers, I have no idea who they are, um, except for, of course, uh, Florida's Byron Donalds. And uh, he, he might be the most uh, vocally vocally conservative. Uh, now, whether or not he's legitimately conservative, I, ha I haven't looked enough into his voting record. Um, but Byron Donalds is the name that I recognize from that list. And a lot of these other people, I'm sure they're fine individuals, but whether or not they'd make a good House uh, speaker is extremely questionable, especially if they have the backing of Kevin McCarthy. Leave that loser uh, in the dustbin of history. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. We've got a lot more show on the way, including up next, we'll dive into how the squad is result uh, 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 is um is uh, reacting, I should say, to the situation in uh, Israel. And we'll get to those sound bites coming up next. Don't miss a moment of Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIBC.
This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's reset the conversation discussing the ongoing conflict in Israel between the IDF and Hamas. It's it resulted in counter thousands of casualties. Uh, the initial instigating attack, killing more than 1300 civilians, including people in their homes, including women, including children, including teenagers, including people who were just attending a music festival. That was the attack by her. Hamas on Israel uh, now more than three weeks ago. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Uh, Producer Gary, beep, 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 beep pushing the buttons and running the board uh, to make the show function. All right, so I I felt it was necessary to kind of replay and uh, reset the conversation and remind the listeners who instigated the attack. It was not Israel who attacked civilians. It was Hamas who killed people in their beds, who raped women, who beheaded babies, who burned people alive. That was the brutality and the severity of the attack which absolutely demands a military uh, response to that incursion. Um, But as Joe Biden would say, get ready, pal, you're going to enter a problem because members of the squad, they do not see it that way. Now, Rashida Tlaib, who you may remember, couldn't bring it within herself to condemn the killing of children, the raping of women, the beheading of babies. Well, she has a thing or two to say about Israel defending itself, getting hysterical, worse yet, over a lie. Continue to watch people think it's okay to bomb a hospital. Lie! Lie! With children. Lie! Lying liar! You know what's so hard sometimes is watching those videos and and the people telling the kids don't cry. Here comes the performance. And like, let them cry. And they're shaking, and somebody you know this. They keep telling them not to cry. They they, they can cry. I can cry. We all can cry. If we're not crying, something is wrong. And so I'm telling you right now. (laughs) But I am telling you right now. President Biden, not all America's with you on this one. And you need to wake up and understand that. We are literally genocide and killing the vast majority just like this and we still stand by and say nothing we will remember this but all of you you need to know i swear to god why you allah you are on the right side of history you are you're doing everything possible to save lives what is wrong with that mental illness is a political identity and always has been What a lunatic. What a performative farce to get that worked up over retaliation that is absolutely deserved. Rashida Tlaib evidently suffering amnesia for the instigating attack on Israel. Now, of course, she she claims what Israel is doing is genocide. What about those chants that you are helping to uh, perpetuate in high schools from children uh, from the uh, from the river to the sea? Palestine shall be free. That means 
killing every Jew. That means eliminating all the Jewish people from the region. And she's she's saying that Israel uh, wants to commit genocide. This is how logically tenuous uh, the liberals are when representing their position. Because she is just a hair's breadth away from calling the Jews Nazis. And that's when you know we would have achieved full clown world. Of course, she's stopping just shy of that. She's like, well, they're committing genocide. But, but you know, uh, uh, genocidal fascists. Hmm, who does that remind me of? Uh, of course, Rashida Tlaib couldn't find it within her heart uh, uh, to criticize or to even acknowledge uh, the barbarism and inhumanity of murdering children, of raping women, raping civilians, ra- you know, attacking innocents. Absolutely silent when it came to that. But then, of course, uh, you know, in this uh, ceasefire protest, she's crying, she's sobbing, she's gasping for air and perpetuating a lie, acting like Israel was the one who shot at the hospital. We found out from our own intelligence sources that wasn't true. Even her own Democrat president, Joe Biden, saying that Israel did not bomb the hospital. Deeply saddened and outraged by the uh, explosion at the hospital in Gaza yesterday. And based on what I've seen, it appears as though it was done by the other team. So Rashida Tlaib there perpetuating a lie of crying crocodile tears over the hospital that Hamas bombed the people that she supports who are killing innocent civilians. This doesn't make it complicated on how to feel about the situation and pick who's in the right and who's in the wrong. Talking about being on the right side of history, how barbaric and idiotic do you have to be to support the people who are beheading babies? Oh, well... Israel deserved it. That's what they say. Uh, here's Cory Bush, um, who who likewise says uh, that, uh, that lives, uh, uh, she wants to save lives with the ceasefire, but not talking about uh, the lives that would be submit, uh, saved if Hamas would simply drop their arms, not Israel, Hamas. And so together, you all, we must be bold. We must stand. We must stand on the side of humanity. We must oh, stand on puke. the side of justice. We must stand on the side of equality. We must stand on the side of self-determination. We must stand on the side of love. We must stand on the side of safety. And we must stand on the side of peace. And we must be willing to speak out against war and violence and against our government's complicity in it. In this moment, and I said it, our government's complicity. So in this moment, we ask ourselves and we ask those around us, are you for war or against war? Are you for saving lives or are you against saving lives? The time to decide is now. Cease fire now. Cease I'm on my land. We're both in America, which used to be a good country, until they started letting people like you do whatever you want. 
acting like Israel is the aggressor is absolute insanity. Israel didn't choose war. Israel didn't instigate the attack. Israel didn't hop the fence and kill civilians in Gaza. Israel didn't bomb their own hospital. Israel didn't rip up their own water supply lines. Talking about uh, right side of history, talking about saving lives, Hamas doesn't give a damn about lives. They don't even give a damn about the stability of their own people. They could... It's 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 insane. It's insane that the squad is so publicly and so vocally supporting the abject and obvious bad guys of the situation. But it shows you the content of these people's character and how far to the left the Democrat Party has actually moved. And they are spreading this radicalism to children. They are uh, wrapping up their heads with false narratives about the colonizers of Israel and getting these people to chant, you know, again, that's that's the left. They like to project because uh, Rashida Tlaib was projecting that Israel is committing genocide by responding to Hamas's horrendous attack. But on the other hand, her side and supporters are supporting genocide, actually cheering and chanting for it. Uh, These are high school children who want to see the extermination of the Jewish people and skipping through the hallways. Imagine if they were talking about any other group of people, how that would fly. To be honest with you, I hate this place, this zoo, this prison, this reality, whatever you want to call it. I can't stand it any longer. Like, I feel so bad for the educational system and for the children who are subjected to a system which has brainwashed them into supporting genocide. It's insanity. And you have representatives like Ilhan Omar, um, who engages in this kind of lunatic screeching uh, against Israel, even though they are the victims of Hamas's terrorist attack. Israel has dropped more bombs in the last 10 days than we dropped in a whole year in Afghanistan. Where is your humanity? Where is your outreach? Where is your care for people? (laughs) Amazing. Every word of what you just said wrong insulting israel's dropped more bombs this in the last month than we have in the entire year uh, in afghanistan it's it, it's absolutely insulting again because she has amnesia oh why israel's doing this she's acting like it's happening in a vacuum like there isn't a reason for israel to be attacking the gaza strip and going after the hamas bastards who brutalized their citizens it's insane it's insulting it's gross and it's perfectly represented by the members of the squad who are putting their anti-Semitic behavior on full display. And that is what's sanctioned within the Democratic Party. That kind of behavior will fly and get you far. Um, 
Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, by the way. We have a lot more content to come. Uh, Turning our attention to uh, matters of local news, including a surprise appointment um, for the vacated uh, uh, position by uh, State Senator Sandlin, who passed away uh, last month. We'll tell you who's stepping in up next on 93 WIBC. It's jungle out there. Disorder and confusion everywhere. No one seems to care. Well, I do. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Ethan Hatcher, your square peg in this round world. Always happy to be a part of the conversation on a Saturday evening. Thanks for tuning in and joining the show. You can always feel free to hop in the comments section while we broadcast live on the YouTube. Now, without the Rob Kendall Memorial camera at our disposal, so the camera feed is down, but the comments are up, and we encourage you to jump in, be a part of the show, make your voices known. Uh, I always enjoy seeing what you guys have to say. In the comments section. All right. Now let's dive into some local news. A surprise appointment uh, for State Senator Sandlin, who passed away on September uh, 20th. Uh, The Republican caucus has gotten together and made a replacement for District 36 there in the southern portion of Marion County and northern uh, portion of Johnson County. It is... Cindy Carrasco, you may remember that name from her failed bid for prosecutor of Marion County, uh, trying to uh, oust Ryan Mears and being soundly defeated by a plurality of the vote. I think Ryan Mears securing more than 60 60 percent of the vote here in Marion County, uh, not even close. For poor Cindy, although I was a supporter, I've certainly voted for her. I attended several uh, campaign events. Uh, sadly, it was not to be. Uh, that was during the crisis, uh, the the Roe versus Wade crisis uh, for many people here in uh, Indianapolis. Um, and Cindy Carrasco uh, was uh, the victim of a negative campaign on the part of Democrats who were uh, uh, exploiting the fear of Marion County residents that the prosecutor would somehow involve themselves in attacking pregnant women or women who seek the services of an abortion, which is is not it's not really part of what uh, the Marion County prosecutor is is doing and. Certainly Certainly, the most pressing problem is prosecuting violent offenders, which was what uh, was the cornerstone of Cindy Carrasco's campaign. However, she wasn't able to uh, uh, connect with voters um, concerning their fears, uh, largely unjustified fears uh, about abortion. And so Ryan Mears uh, once again securing his office. But now she has done this neat little trick that Republicans like to do here in the state, except uh, this one is more legitimate since it was a representative who actually passed away as opposed to prematurely retired especially quickly after having re-secured a uh, you know election that is what republicans have figured out that they can do using utilizing the power of incumbency they can simply resign from their positions allow the vacancy to be filled by a uh, republican caucus and then grant uh, the the power of incumbency to the inside estab- insider establishment choice um, which is what's going on here evidently uh, Cindy Carrasco must be uh, favored within establishment wings of the party 
party, which doesn't necessarily uh, bode well for what's going on uh, down there in District 36. But that's the kind of un, uh, you know uncontrollable, unaccountable uh, leadership that you get when you have extremely gender gerrymandered districts like have been produced here in the state of Indiana. So Cindy Carrasco now assuming the position of state senator uh, following the untimely passing of uh, state senator Sandlin last month. Um, also coming up in just a couple of days, uh, actually two days on Monday, October 23rd at 6 p.m. Wish TV will be airing the first televised mayoral debate in quite some time. Um, uh, again, October 23rd, 6 p.m. between Democratic incumbent mayor uh, Joe Hogsnot and Republican challenger Jefferson Shreve. The real challenge will be differentiating the policy positions between the two because in addition to looking like clones of each other, um, they have very similarly po- similar policy proposals. And Jefferson Shreve has has nobody to blame but himself and his disastrous campaign management. At one point, I was I was getting ready to feel bad about standing on principle and voting for a third party, uh, you, you know, in a protest vote against Jefferson Shreve. Um, you, you know, I was I was questioning whether or not I really wanted to guarantee Joe Hogg said an easy victory uh, in his reelection to the mayor of Indianapolis, because obviously I think uh, uh, the direction of the city under his leadership is disastrous. Um, and it was really causing me uh Uh, to be concerned and question my decision until, of course, in addition to the fact that Jefferson Shreve doesn't understand the Second Amendment, in addition to the fact that he doesn't understand the legislative authority of the office of the city's executive, he also doesn't understand the First Amendment when he came out against the pro-Hamas protesters, which even though they are vocalizing support for a disgusting position, are still exercising their First Amendment rights. So when he says, oh, well, I wouldn't allow protesters to meet on uh, public property, uh, memorializing uh, uh, soldiers for the United States, you don't understand that the First Amendment is designed to protect speech that you don't agree with. So the three strikes and you're out as far as I'm concerned. Um, he doesn't understand the Second Amendment. He doesn't understand uh, the legislative uh, purview of the ex- city's executive. And he doesn't understand the First Amendment. You're out of here, guy. So the, the debate isn't going to move the needle for me. I will be watching, however, just to get any delicious sound bites uh, that we have. The first debate um, I am I'm hoping um, with uh, uh, moderated by Phil Sanchez, they will bring up the question where Joe Hogsnot was during the 2020 riots, um, because we still haven't uh, attained obtained a satisfactory answer to that question, even despite private citizens like Robert Evans, the third seeking um, information in pub- uh, uh, through public disclosure, but being stymied by the mechanisms of the city who are seeking to cover up wherever it was rumors, of course, circulating that Joe Hogsnot may have been during the riots. Hopefully that will get brought up and and maybe um, Jefferson Shreve will press the issue on uh, the October 23rd debate. There will also be a follow-up debate, uh, Fox 59 and CBS 4 uh, broadcasting uh, televised debate the following Thursday, uh, the Thursday, October 26th. At 7 p.m., they will have the second mayor's debate. And this comes just weeks before the election, after early voting has already began. So some voters... 
may have already cast their vote um, before making up their mind and potentially being swayed during the debates. This was absolutely 100% intentional. I'm sure Hogsnot would not have agreed uh, to a debate but prior to early voting already begin beginning. But that just means that uh, it's leaving very little time for people to make up their minds about very important issues and leadership of the city. Um, of course, there was also a surprise announcement this week. Um, the Delphi murder suspect, Richard Allen, he's now without legal representation which is just I don't even understand what's going on it had looked like we were going to get a, a trial coming up in January of next year that's now been pushed back because he's going to have to get public representation and they're going to have to be caught up on all the ins and outs of the case of course his previous team being accused of leaking evidence to members of the press and podcast I believe it was Murder Sheet who had received these uh, uh, allegedly crime scene photos that may have come from the law office representing Richard Allen allegedly um, these are still questions and then now no longer representing him having stepped aside um, uh, of course uh, um uh, uh, Judge Francis Gull announcing that uh, the attorney Andrew Baldwin withdrawing his representation and Bradley uh, Rossi also expected to give an oral withdrawal after obtaining more than $100,000, almost $120,000 in legal fees and then leaving Richard Allen without representation. It's just very puzzling. And after having made that uh, incredible claim just a couple weeks ago about um, the, the prosecutor not divulging evidence um, about about a, a scheme of white supremacist, uh, cultist Odin worshippers having uh, participated in ritual sacrifice of uh, Abby and Libby uh, there in rural Indiana. Crazy stuff. And then members of the uh, jail staff having to take off their Odinism uh, patches, according to the sheriff's department, to avoid a appearance of impropriety. Like, what is going on in Delphi? And now I'm concerned, like, this guy, he might even wind up dead. He was already in poor health. Um, you know, he might just be end, end up dead in the jail cell before we we ever get a resolution to this terrible uh, tragedy in Delphi, and that, I think, would be a worst-case scenario, because the family members deserve to have res resolution one way or another. Whether this guy did it, or whether, you know, he can point the finger at who did, we need these questions answered uh, in order for the community to have some peace. And I believe uh, Producer Gary was telling me that you, uh, you were close to Delphi. You live not very far away at all from where these murders occurred. Isn't that right? That is correct, Ethan. Uh, I lived in between Delphi and Flora, or otherwise known as the Twin Cities, and uh, I know exactly where that uh, event took place. So this is a tight-knit community that would absolutely be devastated by murders like this. They're not happening every day. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you remember the show Green Acres, yeah. that's what Delphi is. Green Acres Green is Acres. the place to be. Um now, what about uh, Od Odinism cultists? Were you aware of any Odinism growing up there in Delphi? Well, this was so long ago, uh, probably not. Okay. Probably and not. Probably not the same practitioners today. Probably not. All right. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, 93 at WIBC. One thing I also wanted to get into and uh, bring producer Kev in on this uh, conversation, a former Atlanta restaurant owner and popular uh, social media reviewer, he stopped by the Circle City recently and left scathing reviews of several black-owned businesses. This is Darius Williams, who's known by his handle Darius Cooks. He's got about one million followers on Instagram, and he came to town, visited uh, several establishments across 
across the city, including Blank US, Luxury Lounge, Culture Bar and Bistro, Huge Impact, Hank's Barbecue, King Ribs Barbecue, Open Kitchen, and Mississippi Bell. He said the cooking stunk. He's like, uh, the exact quote, it's beyond crazy that people open restaurants and don't cook. Have you ever been to some of these re- these places, Kevin? You're I, a man of culture. I, I, I suspect you have eaten around the city. Any of these places uh, you frequent? Well, I love barbecue, but mm-hmm. I have not been to any of those. You actually. haven't been to Hank's Barbecue? I don't think so, no. Oh, my where, God. Where is that? Hank's Barbecue is up on uh, 25th and uh, Martin Luther King. It's kind of oh, okay. near Crown Hill Cemetery. That is some good down-home cooking. In fact, my favorite item on the menu of Hank's Barbecue is their corned beef. Like, by far, oh, nice. Hank's knows how to do corned beef right. Treat yourself and go up to Hank's sometime. Do they have some good brisket? Yeah, yeah. Of course, brisket is a specialty. I like barbecue, oh, yeah. but yeah, barbecue is that is that guy's area of expertise. Hank's barbecue is definitely worth a stop. Um, I've also been to Mississippi Bell. They got some decent fried chicken. They got some decent catfish. They've got some decent options at Mississippi Bell. Some of these other places I haven't been to, but I'm inclined to think that this guy is just some some kind of jerk off. He's also got an F rating with the Better Business Bureau because he's not giving his followers uh, their delivery orders, like they're ordering merch from Darius Cooks and it's not arriving. So, you know, this guy's coming to Indianapolis and... Uh, uh, He's uh, causing crying. trouble. Yeah, what a stinker. Hit the road, Jack. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. We got plenty of good options around here. Now, what wasn't mentioned on this list, but I also highly uh, uh, recommend, is His Place. His Place Eatery. It's on uh, about 38th and Shadeland. Shadeland Avenue. That sounds familiar. Oh my God, it's so delicious. I don't think there's a bad thing on that menu. I have tried several of the different offerings and they're all fantastic. Hickory smoked herbs, uh, fresh made fried chicken, catfish, good home cooking down, you know, Southern offerings, comfort food. I've never had catfish. Have you had it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I need to try that. You need to get some good breaded catfish um, because when it's breaded and battered and buttered just right, that's when the catfish sings. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Don't pay any don't pay any mind to Darius Cooks. We have good eateries here around the city, and I hope you take, pl- take part in them. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, stay tuned for more coming up next. In the white room with black curtains. Station. Black roof country, no gold payments, tired starling. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Wrapping things up on a Saturday evening. Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Night on the Circle. Producer Gary, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Wrapping up this evening, I hate 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 to end the show on a bad bittersweet note but sad to say starting next year unless something changes all the pandas in the united states are going to be gone millions of americans have enjoyed uh the the giant pandas on display at the smithsonian national zoo and in other zoos across the united states turns out all those pandas they've been on loan from china since the 1970s we've had an agreement which expired 
bears in December of next year. So all of the giant pandas in the United States set to return home to China next year, including um, the Smithsonian pandas Tiantian, uh, Mai Jing, and their cub uh, Zhao Ki. Uh, Zhao Ki Ji. I'm sad. I like pandas. They're cute. So the idea that they're all going away is a bit of a bummer. Also, some bad news. Um, a new study suggests that eating just two servings of red meat over uh, the uh, per week is linked to a higher risk of developing diabetes, affecting 37 million Americans. Research published last week in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition found an increased intake of red meat, even more than just one serving every week, could contribute to a 62% increase of type 2 diabetes, which is unfortunate, but uh, of course gives us a wonderful excuse to play this message from Whip Wilford uh, Brimley. People do learn to live with it. In closing, I would like to say to you, diabetes. forget your troubles. Come on, get happy. I've done things I shouldn't do. Diabetes. Do the best you can with what you got. Diabetes. I would encourage all of you, diabetes. forget your troubles. Come on, get happy. I've done things I shouldn't do. Diabetes. I've eaten ice cream and apple pie. Diabetes. I would encourage all of you. I, I Forget your troubles. Come on, get happy. I I've done things I shouldn't do. I do the best you can with what you got. Diabetes. I would encourage all of you. Diabetes. Forget your troubles. Look, I already understood that you had to cut back on the sweets to limit your risk for diabetes. But if I got to cut back red meat, then just count me out. I'll, I'll take the type two. Um, unfortunately, that's all we ha all the time we have. So I leave you with my parting words of wisdom, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you're with. Remember that life is a state of mind. And I'll see you next week on 93 WIBC. <laughs> a spoon to grandma who always took all the hungry cousins to mcdonald's for mcnuggets and the play play slide have something sweet in her honor come to mcdonald's and treat yourself to the grandma mcflurry today ba -da -ba -ba -ba. and participate in mcdonald's for a limited time